Luke chapter 8 in your Bible. Luke chapter 8. It's good to see you all here this evening. I was thinking this morning, actually, man, this guy's preaching good. I got to preach tonight. Oh man, that was a great message this morning, wasn't it? That was a, that was a big encouragement and challenge from the Word of God, and so it's always good to have missionaries, evangelists in here preaching and getting a new face, and so it's always encouraging. And Brother Kaiser here soon, looking forward to having him. It's always a huge blessing having him preaching for us and and uh, all that he does, and so. But thankful for the opportunity to preach tonight. I want to preach tonight on the transformation of a maniac. I want to preach on a very well-known person. I want to give us a lot of uh, details about this man's life. I want to draw up some conclusions about this man. and um, It's kind of like the before and after effect of what Jesus does in somebody's life. And uh, I think we all know, I think we're all witnesses of the transformation power of Jesus Christ, if you are saved here, you know that you are a changed person and that Jesus is in the changing business. Jesus changes lives. And he's doing it every day. Jesus has not stopped changing lives. And I think we are all products of a changed life. And um, in the Bible, we, we hear a lot about changed people. I mean, there's so many people in the Bible that we I could preach about or talk about of people who were changed like, drastically because of Jesus. And we could talk about Paul. We could talk about many, many people in the New Testament that are, that are talked about. But I think a very noticeable one, I think a very easy one to preach on is the, the demoniac. I think you see his life, what it was before Jesus and the mess that it really was. And then to see him do a complete 360 when Jesus shows up. I, I think it's just an awesome story to read about the Bible and uh, learning about Jesus as a compassion and um, how he how he loved him, and even though you know sometimes we look at some big scary dude and we're like, you know what, <laughs> I'm too scared to give him the gospel. But Jesus never feared anybody, and he he loved everybody, and that's a good demonstration for us. I mean, everybody needs the gospel, no matter how they look on the outward. Even though they they could be this man who's possessed with many demons, that Jesus still loves him and wants to reach out to him in the gospel. And a large part of Christ's earthly ministry was that of changing lives, and it was that of, of healing people. It was that of um, demon-possessed people, calling out the demons out of people. And um, i like us this evening, just quickly before the Lord's Supper, to examine uh, the encounter between Jesus Christ and the demoniac at Gadara and uh, uh, list some of the symptoms of what this man was possessed with. So in your Bibles, Luke chapter 8, verse 26, I'll read the text here. Luke chapter 8, verse 26, I'll read it to 35. It reads, And they arrived at the country of the Gadareans, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the, out of the city a certain man which had devils a long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, the Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. That word beseech means to beg. I beg ye not, or torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. 
For oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands with the drip, and was driven out, uh, dri- and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, "What is thy name?" And he said, "A legion, because many devils entered into him." And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was an herd of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man, entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep hill into the lake, and were choked. When they that fed, that fed them saw that they was done, what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city, and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done, and came to Jesus, and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Let's go ahead and go to the word in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you just just for the great service that we had this morning, and the good service we're having tonight, Father. Lord, I pray that first of all, Lord, that you would just forgive me of sin, Lord, cleanse me of all my, my iniquity, Lord. Help there, be no, help there to be nothing between you and I, Lord, as I preach this message, Father. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just fill me with the Holy Spirit as I preach. Lord, give me the words to say. Lord, help me to speak with clarity. Lord, help me to speak. Uh, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just have full control of this service, Father. Lord, help each member here, Lord, to grow in the Word of God, Lord, to draw, uh, to draw closer to you, Father. We love you, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we read a well-known passage in the Bible, and I, what I'd like to do for the next 10 minutes or so is just talk about uh, the before of the of demonic possession. I want us to look at what this man was before Jesus Christ came in. So let's examine. Verse number 27, it reads, And when he went forth to the land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wear no clothes. So the first thing that demonic activity does in a person is that it produces nakedness. That's that's the first thing that the Bible says here about this man is that he was naked, that he wore no clothes. And the more Satan has laid to culture, the more this has become uh, a very important topic is that the more Satan has a hold of it, People have excused the idea of being modest. And that comes through a society that has no fear of God, that is being controlled by whatever the, the culture says to wear, whatever the culture says that deems necessary or that will put you in the popular crowd. In it. And it is biblical to attire ourselves in modest apparel. And so we look about this man and what, what he was before Jesus Christ came in. He was somebody who was naked. He was somebody who did not, was not a modest person. And it's biblical to hide our nakedness. And it's biblical to dress the right way and dress godly and modestly. And it's, it's, uh, it's Christ-honoring for a Christian to dress ourselves differently than how the world dresses themselves. And so just because a trend is popular and just because that's, that's the way that a person dresses and it, it produces less clothing that's shown on the person and it should be something that we should be avoiding because we want to dress ourselves modestly and, and set ourselves apart Amen. and so demonic activity produces nakedness in verse number 27 it says not only was he naked but that he wore that he neither abode in any house 
but in the tombs. Demonic activity produces homelessness. And the Bible says that he neither abode in any house, and those who work with homeless people can attest to the fact that a large number turn down housing opportunities. That there, that there is opportunity for homelessness to find shelter and to find homes. But the problem is that many of them don't want homes. They're content. And, you know, in my life of driving through certain cities, you see, you see the, the amount of homelessness that has uh, infested our country. And it's, just, it's a shame because there really is no need for it. If you, if you work the right way and do the things that are supposed to be done, and a, large, a very, very large majority of those who are homeless have, have destroyed their lives because of drugs and because of alcohol. And we, we live in a country that is so helps many people with, with that fact of that they can't find homes or places to go. So we find, there is shelters and, and government housing, and that's all great. But when you, when you live a life that's ungodly, you don't care about your home. You don't care about being in a place of home. And much of mental illnesses associated with the homeless is actually demonic oppression, that people hurting themselves or people influencing their bodies with things that are ungodly, with alcohol, with drugs, with all types of drugs. And, and that's what demonic activity produces in a person. So right off the bat here, verse 27, he tells us that this person is naked, naked and he's homeless. Verse 27 also gives us, um, talks about this, this man that he, demonic activity creates and infuation with death, a love for death, a desire for death. You know, it's, I find it odd in our society. There's a lot of people who are just so fascinated with death. That's all they can think about. And this man chose to dwell in tombs. Just imagine that, that you have the opportunity to either work hard in your life to live in a house or dwell in the graveyard and make the graveyard your home. And this, this desire that we see in today's culture is just so is well documented that people love the gothic styles, the skulls, the ghost huntings. Um, and sadly, because of that, suicide is becoming normal today. Because death is such is a weird thing that people just are so infatuated. It's something that they love, it's something that they desire, something they want to do. And so they dress themselves gothic. And the music they listen to is very dark and depressing and all has to do with death. And that becomes through demonic activity. Demonic activity wants you to enjoy music and movies that all that is just uh, surrounded with and reflecting strong with demonic activity. Um, this is something that we see in our time is that people are just in love with the idea of death and, and what that is. And that's what this, this demonic man was, that he had a love for death, the fact that he was dwelling in the tombs. Look at verse 29. It says, For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bond with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness." Demonic activity results in uncontrolled fits of anger. Uncontrolled fits of anger. In our society, we're seeing a lot of people who are just so angry all the time. And it's not controllable. 
Well, obviously, that's not of God. That's not something that God puts in a person to be uncontrollably angry. The Bible says, be angry and sin not, right? But what we're seeing today is uncontrolled fits of anger and people going absolutely ballistic. Well, that's demonic activity. That's something that's produced from Satan. And um, it's, it's said often that, that these devils caught him. And often, he, this man would become destructive. This man would become violent. And that's, that's the reputation that this man had. And if you see it today, more and more young people today are having to go to anger management classes to control their anger. Because you're seeing many kids and many teenagers just so angry, young adults not being able to keep a job because they have no respect for their bosses and they're just constantly angry at work. And where does that come from but demonic activity that we see in today's, in today's society, in today's culture? And the, the answer can be found in, in many cases. We can look at the parents, how they're being raised. We can look at uh, are they growing up in church? Are they, are they getting fed the word of God? But what we're saying today is that you know, parents are sending their kids to go to anger management classes instead of church, instead of Sunday school, instead of getting their, church, getting their kids in the building that they're supposed to be in. And so we're seeing today uncontrolled fits of anger. That's what, that's what this man was known. This demoniac was somebody who was a dangerous man. It's something that you would not want to walk around because you don't know when this man is going to go absolutely ballistic. How many times have you read in the past couple of years just for no reason whatsoever, New York City, somebody killing another person or somebody beating up another person, specifically elderly people, just because no reason and the sad part is sometimes they beat the person up and don't even take the money or don't even take the person. They're just uncontrolled anger. And it's all terrible. And we look, we look at that and we say, how is that? How can you have that kind of anger? How could you do that to somebody? I could never imagine doing that to somebody. How could you do it? But to say that's demonic activity that's in our society on a daily basis. Right. And the devil is real. And the demons are real. Right. That There is a spiritual warfare going on. And we think that, you know... There's angels and God helps us, but there's, the Satan's just as real as God is real. And demons are just as real as angels are real. The third of the angels fell down to earth and are still here today. And they're not going to go away until God casts them to the lake of fire where they belong and where they're going to go and spend eternity in. But until then, we are dealing with demonic oppression in, in, in our society today. And so, why do we see uncontrolled fits of anger? Well, demonic activity. Look at verse number 29. It talks about him being in bonds. So that this demonic activity results in imprisonment. How often, like I mentioned earlier, about people, con people beating people up for no reason, how do people are, keep going to jail and being let loose six months later and going back out and doing something wicked, going back to jail and we see the endless cycle? Well, you know what? Those people are filled, and the result of those people is demonic activity. There's constant imprisonment. And so this man, this demoniac, was in imprisonment and had the bands, the Bible says, and he would break them. And he was uncontrollably strong. And so the community finally had to chain this man. And our prisons are filled with people who are so controlled by devils that they have nothing left to do but put them in a cage. Our, there's many people in our, in our cages, in our jail cells, who are people who are filled with demonic activity. And all kind of attempts are made to rehabilitate them, to help them. Um, 
But what they truly need and what you and I know that they need is Jesus Christ. Amen. So that's why we support families like the Rumsey family who go out and they, they go to the prisons and they try to preach the gospel to them. Because those people, at the end of the day, all the re, uh, rehabilitation that we can give them is not going to add up to, a, to what they truly need, which is Jesus Christ. Because he's the one who's in the changing life business, is he not? And so Jesus Christ is the one that changes lives. And so it's good to rehabilitate somebody. It's good to help them. And that's all good. But at the end of the day, what they truly need is Jesus. And so this man who's stuck in bonds and constantly breaking out and the community here uh, is chained him up. And so this man is in a terrible place because he is filled with demons. And verse 29, it says that this man broke the chains and the fetters, right? And so demonic activity exhibits in itself superhuman strength. This man, filled with demons, has superhuman strengths. Check out the music that many of our professional athletes are listening to just before they take the field of competition. Many are attempting to channel an inner strength and power from their music that they do not even realize that is dangerously demonic. A lot of the music that is in our that is out today is demonic music. Right. Why do we see, you know, there are many teenagers who lo- love the Lord, who come to church, that are faithful, then lives change because of music and music alone. And so this man had demonic and was de- who was demonic had superhuman strength. The fact that you could break bonds like that because he himself was filled with demons. Demonic activity results in bizarre, insane behavior. Demonic activity it results in ex- ex- exceedingly fierce and violent tendencies. And demonic activity is something that is, also produces self-destructive behavior. Look at Mark chapter 5. Mark gives us a little bit of a clearer picture of this man. Keep your finger here on Luke. Mark chapter 5, verse number 5. Self-mutilation is a form of demonic activity. Mark chapter 5, verse number 5, tells us simply, And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Demonic activity results in self-mutilation and other forms of self-destructive behavior. And self-mutilation has become such an, a national epidemic with young people today, has it not? And self-destructive behavior, including drug and alcohol abuse, have run violently through our country. And, or eating disorders, or... Um, a very common one we're seeing today is people cutting themselves. Young people who are just so unhappy that they would go and hurt themselves. And, uh, and sadly, that has become common in our times. Very common. And this, again, is evidence of a growing number of people who are falling under satanic oppression. I'm not saying that every person who cuts themselves or, does, or, does, or is an alcohol or drugs is... Are filled with demons, but I'm telling you that I'm telling you that they're having satanic oppression in their life. It's like having a Ouija board in your house. There's no different. I feel like 
It's inviting Satan into your life. It's giving Satan an open door to go into your life and to ruin and wreck your life. People do that stuff to find happiness and to find joy. and They're, they're trying all types of avenues to make themselves happy or with who they are or whatever situation happened in life. They're trying to cope with themselves of, or trying to do these things. And at the end of the day, they're just inviting satanic oppression into their lives. And sadly, in what we see a lot today is demonic activity results in suicidal attempts, does it not? Right. That's the end game. What Satan wants is for you to spend forever in the lake of fire with him, right? He's trying to bring as many people down there with him. And so what Satan is trying to do, he's trying to put the thought into your heads that life is so bad or, or whatever it is, and trying to put suicidal thoughts into our head. And sadly, this oftentimes results in death. And it's a very sad thing. And uh, Jesus had a father bring a demon-possessed child to see him. And if Jesus could help the boy, one of the things that the father told Jesus was that the devil drove the boy to suicide attempts. And Jesus was in the business of helping people from committing suicide. And Jesus is the one who's trying to help people because that's not the way that Jesus intended for you to live your life to, or to end your life that way. Mark chapter 9, verse 22 says, And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. That's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is having compassion. Jesus is helping us. The devil is not your friend. The things of the devil is not your friend. The world may tell you that's what you have to do to have a good time. The world may tell you this is what you need to do to fit in. But those are just lies from the devil himself. And he is bent. The devil wants nothing in your life but to destroy you. The devil wants to ruin and to wreck your life. I believe that the devil, just like Jesus Christ, knows the potential that you have in your life and things that you could accomplish for Jesus Christ. The devil knows that you yourself can save your family members from going to hell. That you have the opportunity to give them the gospel. To tell the people about Jesus Christ. The devil knows that. The devil knows what to do in your life. So he tries to destroy your life. He tries to wreck your life. He tries to. The devil's a smart guy. I don't think we should underestimate the devil and, and have this cockiness attitude, this prideful attitude saying, oh, I'm bigger than the devil. The devil has nothing on me. Because the devil knows your weaknesses. The devil knows what you love. The devil knows where, when and where you're weak. The devil wants to destroy you. He is bent on your destruction. Why does the devil need to mess with those who are unsaved? What are they going to do for the kingdom of God? What are you with Jesus Christ going to do with, with Jesus and with the gospel, the hope that is within you? The devil knows that and the devil is bent on destroying you. So, again, the number of suicides and suicide attempts continue to rise drastically as Satan is preparing the road for the tribulation, period, ultimately. And so the demonic activity results in suicidal thoughts and attempts. And so that's a list. It's going through a couple of verses of this man, of the kind of the, the before effect of this is who this man is. This man is rough. This man is in a bad place in life. I don't think many of us would want to go up to this man and hand this guy a gospel track and say, hey, come to Sunday school this Sunday. He's a bad man. He's a terrible man. And this is who he was before Jesus Christ. 
But Jesus Christ changes lives. And this is what he's going to do. And Jesus had compassion on him. Look at Luke chapter 8. And look at verse 35. Is there an answer for devilish oppression? Notice the difference now before Jesus and now after Jesus. Luke 8.35 Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. So this, tra- this transformed man was now with Jesus. This man who couldn't sit still, this man who was violent, this, this man who had uncontrollable anger is now hanging out with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What a difference. And let's not forget the difference that, that, the difference that Jesus Christ did in this man's life. And uh, Jesus delivered him. Now he's humbly sitting at the feet of Jesus. Um, now notice that this man was sitting. That's a, that's a big word there, that he's sitting, because before he was uncontrollable. He was constantly on the rampage, constantly destructive, constantly angry, constantly doing something to hurt himself, and now he's sitting. What does that mean, that he's sitting? Is that he's, first of all, no longer a threat to other people, but secondly, he has found a place in his life where he has peace, and he has purpose. When he, before Jesus Christ, he had no peace and he had no purpose. But now he knows that his life means something. And so what else best to do but to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from our master? Amen. Before, it's all about me, me, me. What can I do for myself? Now it's what can I do for you, Lord? Let me, let me sit down for a while. Let me just spend time with you, Jesus. Let me just sit at the feet of Jesus. And that's something that you and I need to do sometimes. Just sit at the feet of Jesus. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time alone. Talking about our time of in the garden, right? Of just being alone with Jesus Christ and no one around us. You know, some people are, are, hike, are hikers and I'm not, I'm not a hiking guy, but some people are. And people, a lot of people do that. They get to the top of the mountain or the top of their destination and they sit and they find peace and they talk with Jesus Christ. That's something that we should do is find that time alone with Jesus Christ. This transformed man was in his right mind. Demonic influence clutters, clouds, and confuses the mind. People cannot think straight when the devil has gained control of their lives. But Jesus cast out those influences. Now this man is in his right mind. He's having peace. He's not having thoughts. His mind is not scattered. It's not thinking everywhere. He's not double-minded anymore, right? He's sitting and he's in his right mind. Before, this man had no clothes. But now, this man is in clothes. This man was now clothed. Again, one of the true conversations as an awareness is, is that of modesty. And Christians view their bodies differently than the world views our bodies. The world views, views our bodies as something to sell, to make money off of, something to, to get into places. But that's not what we desire. With Our, our bodies are, are here to glorify the Lord, to give. We're, we're a human sacrifice to our Father, and we're, we're giving ourselves to Jesus Christ. And we're, not, we're not giving over to somebody else. We're not giving over to the, to the world to see. We're giving ourselves to Jesus. And 
We are the temple. We need to be, t- we need to be taking care of ourselves. Our body is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of each and every one of us if you have Jesus Christ. So something that should be clothed in the right way, something that should be looked at the right way. And so this transformed man was clothed. And this transformed man scared those who he knew him before. I think it's so interesting here in verse 35 is that at the end it says, and they were afraid. That kind of catches your eye when you first read it because wouldn't you be happy that this man is now sitting clothed in his right mind and is no longer the, the scoundrel, the, 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 the terrible man that he was before? Wouldn't you be happy? Wouldn't you be like praising? And, but no. These people are afraid that, this, that there's a difference in this man. And when the world sees a man delivered from his devilish influences, you would think that they would rejoice. Sadly, that's not the case. This scared them. And they urged Christ to leave their coasts. I think that's, that's so fascinating to me, that they wanted God, your Jesus Christ, to leave and to not stay there any longer because Jesus Christ is making a difference. The world complains a lot about Christians. The world, the world blames us for a lot of what's wrong in the world. And if we only could accept the world for who they are or what they're trying to be or when they change whatever gender they're trying to change into or trying to, for us to call them by the correct pronoun, then we're the bad guys if we don't do that. And we're the ones that are, are putting people not in a safe place anymore. And they need to go to therapy. And they need to go there because we're not calling them by the right name or calling them by the right gender. And we're the, we're the bad guys for doing that. But that is going to be the case when the world, when the world with their demonic influences, with a satanic oppression, looks at us. They're going to be afraid. And they're going to be scared. Why don't people, why, we look at the hope that, and the peace that we all have as Christians, right? And we say, how do you not want what we have? How could you not desire this? Don't you want the joy of having Jesus in your life? But honestly, most times it comes down to being scared. Yeah. It comes down to being afraid because then they got to change who they are. And they're content with being controlled by satanic influence. They're content with that. And we look at, we look at that, we look at it with, we look at it very sadly, that, man, I, w- I wish you would change. I wish you would come to Jesus Christ. And, but the world is going to look at us that way. It's something that we almost have to accept. They did that with Jesus, and they're going to do that with us. And so don't be afraid to give the gospel out to somebody, even though they are afraid of us. It's going to be natural. Mm-hmm. And so that's the before and after effect. Um, we need to find our place as a Christian protecting ourselves against satanic oppression. Now, you know who you were before salvation. You knew that you had no Holy Spirit to help you. And so you, without even realizing, you were just under satanic oppression in your life. But then Jesus comes and everything changes. Your eyes are opened up and you see that there's a spiritual warfare going on in the world. You see because the Bible says, but as a Christian... You cannot be de- demonically possessed, right? Because you have the Holy Spirit. However, many Christians give the devil a foothold in their lives. Now, and I've been there. I can't say I've been perfect my entire Christian life. 
that we give the devil a foothold in our lives. And that comes with oppression. When we give the devil an inch, he takes it a mile, does he not? And so how do we protect ourselves against future or current demonic oppression in our, or influences in our life? And how do we, how do we expel, how do we uh, extract these influences from our life? Well, first of all, we need to destroy everything that is giving an open door in our lives to demonic oppression. Turn over to Acts 19. We have a few minutes here. Acts chapter 19. Like I mentioned earlier, we give the devil a little opening in our life. He's going to go straight in there. He's going to shoot it. Because he want, he is in the destroying business. The devil does not build up. He destroys. Acts chapter 19, verse number 18. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them all before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. What do these people do when they found Jesus Christ? That they, they threw away all the dirty and all the, all the stuff that was for the, for the devil and they burned it all. In our life, there's going to be Books, there's going to be movies, there's going to be video games, websites, board games, uh, card games, or, or whatever it is that has something that has satanic influences. Those are something that's in our life that we need to destroy. Don't let the devil get a little opening in our life. We just listen to a little song here, watch this movie, or, or play this video game. Or, or, we allow those satanic influences to come into our life. It's one of the reasons why my wife and I, we just don't watch scary stuff. Scary movies. We just stay away from it. Because, first of all, I, when I was a kid, if I watched anything scary, I was, I was up for three weeks in a row. I don't think I slept. I was just very, very scared. And so, I asked my parents. I had a, I had a Hulk a nightlight by my bed. And I would punch the Hulk nightlight and it would light up. And one of the worst days of my life was when that thing broke. I'll never forget it. And so, I've always been this not never a type of guy for scary things, but... People are love that stuff and are infatuated with that stuff. And so as a Christian, we should stay away from that stuff. Because why? It's everything to do with demons, with de- demonic uh, influences. And we need to stay away from that. There's music that is just so demonic that we need to keep away from and step away from it. Because it's going to destroy our lives. There are many Christians who have the Holy Spirit but have allowed music to enter into their lives. And now they are full-blown into what the world is calling them to do because they allowed music as one of the things to open up their heart to satanic influences. And now they're backsliding. Turn over to 1 Samuel 15. We'll look at two more things. 1 Samuel 15. So what do we need to do to to protect ourselves that uh, destroy everything in your house that has to do with that is opening doors to demonic oppression. Secondly, confess and forsake the sin of rebellion. First Samuel chapter 15. I think a lot of us know this verse, but I'm going to say it. First Samuel 15, verse 22. So, and Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the, the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. 
For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Satan is the original rebel, is he not? He is the first rebel. He rebelled against God's authority in his life, and he now tries to deceive Christians from giving their lives fully over to God. God does not care about your sacrifice as much as he cares about you obeying the word of God. A lot of us, we can give the Lord whatever it is we need to give, whether it's our money, whether it's our time to come here. But how are we Monday through Saturday when it comes to giving our life daily over to God? To obey is better than to sacrifice. God is looking at the heart condition every time. God is all about the heart. He wants he knows exactly where your heart's at when you give. He knows exactly where your heart is when you walk into the doors of the church. He knows exactly what your heart is at when you do something that's sacrificial to God. God wants you to obey and sacrifice. He's not looking for one over the he's not looking for sacrifices over obeying. He wants you to obey him, to love him. And so we need to confess and forsake the sin of rebellion in our hearts. We, are, we, are, we can become very rebellious people against God. And say, God, I don't need you for this time in my life. Or God, uh, you're not necessary here. Or God, I, I don't want to read my Bible. Or, God, I don't want to pray. Or God, I don't want to go to church. And we, all those things enter into our minds. And what is that? They say, that is satanic influences creeping into our lives. And so we need to forsake that, confess that over to God. And then lastly, turn over to Matthew chapter 4. The best thing you can do in your life to protect yourself from satanic oppression is saturate your life with the word of God. Matthew chapter 4. And verse number 8. says, Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and sheweth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Amen. The one thing the devil cannot stand up against is the word of God. Jesus defeated the devil by simply quoting scripture. The sword of the spirit is your best weapon to protect yourself against demonic oppression. The sword of the spirit. And so when, so how can we use the word of God in our life on a daily basis? Okay, for instance, you, can, you find yourself in a situation where you are tempted to sin, right? Well, the Bible says you need to hide the word of God in your heart, right? And so if you're quoting the Bible in your mind as that satanic oppression, that satanic thought, or that influence, or that temptation to sin comes, and you quote the word of God to attack that, and you cut it right where it's at. Because why you have the sword of the Spirit. It's like cutting it right in half and saying, no, I'm going to follow the word of God. So saturate your life with the word of God. If you hide the word of God in your heart, you're not going to be tempted to sin or do temptations do come you can fight it up fight up, fight it with the word of god because that's if that's what jesus christ did then i believe that's something that we also should find ourselves doing is fighting the devil with the word of god 
The devil cannot stand up against the word of God. The devil cannot, he cannot one-up the Bible. And so hide the word of God in your heart. Know the Bible. Memorize the Bible. Read the Bible. Listen to the Bible. Listen to godly Christian music. And those stuff will help you uh, protect yourselves from having demonic oppression. Demonic oppression is a very real thing. A lot of Christians find themselves with allowing the Satan to influence their lives. And it's a very sad thing. And many Christian lives have been destroyed. Marriages have been destroyed because of satanic influences. You know, we, we hear the quote oftentimes is idle time is the devil workshop. There's many things in our life that we can allow the devil to come in and the devil to ruin our lives. And it's a very sad thing that when we hear about Christians or or we ourselves find ourselves in a place, a bad place, because we allowed satanic influences in our life. And so, this demoniac, you see his life before salvation, and you see how wicked and terrible he was, and then Jesus Christ came in, and everything has changed, and everything is great, but there's still tomorrow. And so we can't settle on the fact that just because I'm saved, that doesn't mean that Satan can have influence in your life. You don't want to find that place where you're content with who you are or where you are in your current level of spirituality. Because in your moment of weakness, in your moment of being lukewarm, is when the, is when the devil comes and the devil attacks you, Christian. The devil is very real and he wants to destroy you and he wants to destroy gospel. That's, that's what Satan will love to do is destroy you from giving other people the gospel or trying to raise the, or trying to raise the next generation for Jesus Christ. What the devil would love to do is for Jesus Christ to stop at your generation. What Jesus Christ wants, what the devil wants in your life is for you not to give the next generation or the, the upcoming people to give them the gospel. He wants Jesus to stop at you. That's his mission. That's his goal. And so we need to be able to fight off that with the word of God. And say, no, I'm going to live for Jesus daily. I'm going to die to self. I want to live my life for Jesus Christ. And so, Christian, it may be difficult at times. We find ourselves under satanic influences every day. We can't stay in a bubble. We can't stay in a corner in our, in our house and never, never go out. There's going to be satanic influences. But what is your reaction going to be, Christian, when they do come to your life? Are you going to be able to fight off with the word of God? Are you going to give up and allow, satan- allow satanic influences to come right into your life and to destroy you? Because that's what the devil wants. We can't let the devil get a foothold in our life. We need to be able to live for Jesus Christ. And that's how we'll live a successful, godly Christian life. is one that's given over to God full-heartedly. Let's go to him in prayer. Lord, we love you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you for the word of God. Lord, please bless us.